Robots Radio. Games. Lore. Stories. Community. Just press play. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Robots Radio presents You're listening to the Dungeons and Dragons Lorecast The best way for everyone from experienced dungeon masters To those curious about D&D To learn more about the worlds, creatures, and lore of Dungeons and Dragons Hello and welcome to the Dungeons and Dragons Lorecast. My name is Sergio. And I am Mary. And we are joined by a couple of our patrons, a good friend of ours, good friend of the show, mm-hmm. good friend of Mary's. And we are going to wrap up Spooky Season 2022 with some homebrew horror. We're going to we're gonna get some of the best ideas from these folks as to how to spookify your adventures your campaigns and Mm -hmm. some of these are downright bonkers like absolutely like they they range from like fun and like whimsical and like you know kind of like scooby-doo horror to Mm -hmm. uh like just like very cool like like i never would have thought of doing that like it's cool and kind of spooky to like absolute nightmare fuel and i'm here for all of them (laughs) Yeah, I'm I'm ready. Yeah, like I said, we're, uh, we're joined by Darkwing, our good patron. Say hello. Hi, guys, doing? And we are also joined by uh, a uh, well, Mary. You do you do the introduction for this one? So this is a friend of mine that we actually started playing D and D together. He's also one of the players in one of my campaigns, and a very very dear friend of mine. It's my friend Mello. Greetings and salutations. Well, let's go ahead and just jump right into it. Uh, Darkwing, did you want to go first? Yeah, sure. Love to. Uh, well, uh, thanks for having me again. Uh, very deja vu here today. Weird. It's <laughs> crazy how before. that works out. I, I really feel like I've been here before. But so what I'm bringing to the table today is... We do uh, we one all... every month. That's probably what it is. Oh, that's That's, that's got to be, be it. it. <laughs> uh, so I come to the table today with uh, the big baddie that I've been working on for my game here at home. Uh, we all know who Zastam is. Uh, if you don't, there's a these guys went over it in detail some time ago. Go look it up. Uh, 
But you take Zastam, and then you throw a little bit of 80s in there, and you cross him with Mamra, the ever-living, from the 80s cartoon Thundercats, which turns him into a god, honestly. It's, he gets a little ridiculous. Um, run it down for you here. So the, the way you can incorporate, at least the way I incorporated this all in so it made sense, or, you know, as much sense as it can make, is during uh, Zastam's uh, Dread Ring Saga, he also at the time came across uh, the Ancient Spirits of Evil, which is in almost a warlock way how Mumra gets his powers. Uh, so he gets through that whole saga and then decides to go about this. Well, when he does contact the Ancient Spirits of Evil, they just turn Zastam into Mumra. Uh, giving him quite a bit more powers, which then brings the earth that you and I are sitting on right now into the world of DC Comics, which then actually, as soon as you make Zastam Mamra, brings our earth all the way to Forgotten Realms. Thus, we're all part of the Forgotten Realms universe. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like Earth Prime meets, yes. you know, Earth 616 maybe meets Faerun. I love it. I love a good multiverse. Yeah, it's it's pretty much how it rolls down. Yeah. Uh, and that's all just because uh, it, the backstory of Mamra just starts in ancient Egypt on our Earth. And he's just, you know, it just starts off, he's just a bad guy. He really does work out very well. He has high charisma. Uh, and the way I went about now making this character something that I could play uh well I just went through and I really took a lot from the mummy lord and asked him and we just crossed them to get your it. your first character uh because there's three parts to this uh, bad guy thus making him even more versatile for the game uh in his first um I don't know ideation yeah, there we go. I'll work with that. Uh, he's it's he's just uh, he looks like a lich. He in mummy in mummy cosplay is what he looks like. Uh, you take all of his stats and just real fast. It's uh, your strength is an eighteen. His dex is a sixteen. His con is a seventeen. His intelligence is a twenty, which I'll add is because of how old he is claimed to be, which is anywhere from 30 to 3 million years old. 30,000 to 3 million. I've found a couple of different varying That's reports on that. Quite the age range. Yeah, either way, oh, yeah. he knows he knows a lot about a lot. Still old AF, regardless yes, of which one, which way on the spectrum you, you land on. His wisdom is an 18, uh, and his charisma lands at a 16. Uh, in that first uh, form, his AC is a 17. His hit points are only 150. Uh, pretty straightforward lich with mummy legendary actions added on. Uh, now, when he is changed over to Mamra, you take the phylactery that Zastam would have been using, change it over to a sarcophagus, which would be held right. in the middle. Which would be held in the middle of the Mummy Lord's uh, lair, which just so happens Mamra comes with the Black Pyramid. Uh, I haven't quite worked out that hellhole just yet for my players, but I'll let you know when I do. 
Uh, <laughs> you'll let us, you'll mm-hmm, let us know mm-hmm, how much mm-hmm. they hate you. Oh, yes. they're not going to enjoy this place because it really it puts itself right in the middle of Zastam's layer. So you have to get through like the outer perimeter of Zastam's to get to the Black Pyramid and then get through that. And so hopefully that'll add quite a few gaming sessions on to oh, uh, sure. what I'm already trying to do. Now, he only uses, there's a whip token of Zastam's, a uh, simple little ghost whip. You throw the token, mm-hmm. it attacks for, you know, whatever a ghost whip does. Where is it? Excuse me. Uh, 1d6 plus 5. So mm. re- really, really kicking it up there. Uh, also has his staff that he uses to walk around with, but it's also a staff of paralysis. Only mm-hmm. has seven charges. Uh, anybody within 60 feet, and then you're par- paralyzed for one minute. And we all know that pretty much certain death in the hands of a lich. So uh, now we get into his second form, which would be uh, Mamra, the ever-living, where we now he has the ability of flight. He also now has the ability of uh, energy bolts, which are a deck save of 16 for half damage. Those come in at 2d6 plus 5. Uh, where else... These can be deflected by the Sword of Omens, but I won't even get into that. Uh, his hit points, they double, so now you're at 300. His AC is 21. Now, to maintain this form, he has to make a DC will of 12 plus one for each additional round up to 10 rounds. So he has to make it 12, then a 13, then a 14. Uh, nice. All the way up to 22, or uh, th- this is really his only weakness is exhaustion kicks in and he has to return to the sarcophagus in the middle of the pyramid. So he has to get a lot done really quick. But what else does he have here? Oh, his size increases to nine feet, so he's now, you know, quite a large fellow. Uh, you add plus two to all of his stats. Uh, he just becomes quite a beast to tangle with it at any point. Now, his final form is Mumra, the all-powerful. All I hadn't quite okay. talked about his big weapons that he uses in form two and three. He has the Sword of Plundar, which is just a very powerful, ancient, double-bladed weapon. Uh, okay. Like Darth Maul-style double-bladed energy, absorbs energy there's quite a few different other little elements that i could talk about forever but that's more thundercats uh but <laughs> now he has to thundercats have Thundercats oh yeah yes. this is not so you have the gauntlet of plundar that he has to have on to make this transformation so there's that little caveat as well just to try to make it a little more fair. Uh, but the Gauntlet of Plundar houses two phylacteries of Dracoliches that it uses to power itself, thus making the third form 35 feet tall. You double his hit points again, putting him at 600 hit points. His DC is, where did I just put that, 24. Uh, now his will say that he has to make per round same as in level two would be a DC of 17 and then plus one per level, thus making it nearly impossible to stay in that form 
for the full 10 rounds. And the energy blasts will up themselves to uh, 48 plus 10, uh, giving it two per attack in that form. Uh, he has, let's see here. He has legendary resistance three times a day, just like most legendary creatures. His spell, his spell DC is a DC of 20. Got plus 12 to hit on that. And he has, I believe here, three, six. There's nine different legendary actions he can take. He has six points that he can work with, seeing how some of those actions cost more than one. Two. He even has a three called Disrupt Life, but um, I'm just trying to give an overview. I'm trying to get yeah. this all set out so I can actually put the text out there on the Discord. So if people actually want to look nice. at this, they can run it up and down. I've got pages here. I've redone it quite a few different times. <laughs> Don't think I'm missing anything at this point. I haven't actually got to run him in game yet. So I'm sure some other things will change. Oh, but yeah. Things will change they, in a moment, too. Yeah, absolutely. And but there you have a possible 10 round fight for something that can take on the Tarask relatively easily. Uh, and that's my spooky homebrew for you guys this month. Uh, Fantastic. Yeah, I love it. I love <laughs> the fact that it's also a kind of like, you know, callback to your fantasy draft team, which were mm -hmm. the Thunder oh, themselves. Yeah. Like, That's exactly where it came from. I forgot to mention that. Thank you. And, uh... <laughs> that is absolutely, yeah, where that came from. It just started with me doing Lino. And then you're like, uh, hey, like, let's go ahead and do all this. And then the next, you know, uh, subject that we had for the patron roundtable was homebrew horror. Like, well, like, you know, they do need a villain after all. And I true. love Zast Ham. Oh, well, it was, it was a, yeah, that was a 5 a.m. Like, come up. <laughs> I was just up and I was like, you know. What if I did? Oh my God, I got it. And I started writing it down. You should see these notes. It is chicken scratch. I don't even know how I read it. Oh, uh, no, I. That uh, sounds so familiar. My graduate school notes and like my D&D notes, I've told people like they look like the like scrawlings of a serial killer madman. Like, Same. You know, there's like I have... no rhyme or reason. Mm -hmm. I have a note, like I have paper on my desk because I always forget where I set something to write on so it just has the most random notes some quotes from weird stuff my friends have said um it's got all kinds of random stuff on here I do the same exact thing with mine nobody can de decipher it though so <laughs> and we, we we have been talking about this for several months uh but we will guarantee that our D and D lore cast magic item of the week, mm -hmm. you know, book will be released on the DMs Guild in 2023. We are making yep. we are making plans to have that released, and I don't mm -hmm. see why any reason why any of this homebrew stuff shouldn't be couldn't included, go in there too, right? Yeah. So, oh perhaps. yeah. If any, if people are interested, absolutely. So thank oh, you, yeah. Thank you so much, Darkwing. Mm -hmm. uh, let's. You're welcome. We have a uh, one of our patrons, uh, Coffee, was unable to join us, but he sent along his homebrew item. Nice. And his homebrew item is a simple uh, white bedsheet, just mm -hmm. you know, normal, like sort of like bedspread sort of thing. Okay. That 
uh, has in, been enchanted by an unknown witch, which I love that that little like detail because you can either keep it as is or mm-hmm. you can incorporate that into an adventure or a campaign that you already have. Perhaps I like, the, I- I like the idea that there's just a witch that randomly curses like mundane household items. And they just get spread throughout the land. Right? Like a very practical witch. Like, she's like, look, you idiots are cursing, like, gold crowns. Things that people expect. Like, yeah, like, you know, like, like, but no one expects the sheet or the, the the kettle or coffee, the coffee maker, the Mr. Coffee. I have a cursed cauldron. I don't, it's like, but mildly inconvenient curses would be fun too. But that's just me. Oh, I just came up with a a cursed Mr. Coffee that only brews decaf. <gasps> That's You're evil monster. and uncalled for. So. That's the scariest thing that I've ever heard. I think that might get me kicked off the table as a DM. They're like, you know what? Like, where this is no longer a safe space. <laughs> You're, <dare> you. <laughs> You're gone. <laughs> the uprising players I, I, shouting, I, slamming their hands on the table. I will not stand for this. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't stand for this. You don't touch my caffeine. <laughs> Don't get near it. I'm an unfriendly person. Okay, so this sheet is cursed by an unknown witch. And while it is worn over the head, the sheet mm-hmm. applies invisibility to the player, giving the illusion mm-hmm. of a spooky ghost. So uh, not only does, I mean, that's like you're invisible, but it also, like, yeah, you know, like, I mean, you have like the normal, like, sort of sheet with the holes cut in the eyes and all that, right? That, that sort of idea. Right. But you know, obviously, you see your feet you know, underneath it, or you see something shuffling. Mm-hmm. This will also cast the illusion that you're actually floating in the air. Like you're an incorporeal, mm-hmm. like spooky ghost. And again, it. it sort of depends on the DM as to whether or not it's like, it's just like the sheet floating ghost, or if it's more of a, like, you know, librarian ghost from the beginning of Ghostbusters that right. terrified me as a child. And wispy, shimmering change in the air i think is what i would do to where it was still semi-transparent so you could kind of see that something was there but you weren't quite sure you thought you saw it from the corner of an eye but it doesn't really come into focus and also it um gives a a plus five mod uh, wisdom modifier or i'm sorry it uh it's uh the effect lasts for plus five minutes plus their wisdom modifier. Oh, okay. Uh, which then, uh, uh, then the disguise is uncovered for the rest of combat. And then okay. additionally, it passively gives a plus three to stealth rolls while worn. Hmm. Now, does it come? Do, do you lose all those effects in combat if you take damage? I guess would be my first question. Hmm. Uh, I would say, I would say that's probably up to DM discretion because it doesn't explicitly yeah. say like you know as the raw doesn't actually state that. I guess I it would, would think that it would go from a disadvantage to hitting them to just a straight roll to hitting them. Right. If you're that's able, to how I would. The, if you're able to connect, connect once, then yeah. And you kind of like get got the feel like and I like yeah. to whenever like I make sort of DM uh, rulings like that, I try to be like as logical as possible. So like if you're mm-hmm. able to hit once, then at that point, like 
like the enemies like sort of has a feel for like you know, the movements the idea and like now yeah like doesn't necessarily have advantage on you but now like doesn't have disadvantage right and so uh and then again like that could be determinate on where your character levels are you know maybe mm, true uh maybe that uh getting hit removes all effects at a higher level because at that point like it's it's you know it's not you don't really need right. the sort of like safety net that lower level characters need the right the, the squishies as we like to call them i know some squishy characters oh we're yeah they're i mean we all started squishy at some point oh i've lost a lot of squishy characters <laughs> and i love this item because it's a, the simplicity and also the yeah um, the I mean the the plus three to stealth rolls. I mean you throw this on a rogue, and it's just something am... that they can use, uh, you know, to enhance their own abilities, which is <laughs> for picture... me always a uh, the <laughs> best kind of magic. One rogue specifically, and I appreciate it because it gave me a giggle. I pictured uh, Mellow's rogue Corey specifically, and I'm just picturing all what two foot eleven. No, he's like two foot three. Oh yeah, like t- little <laughs> teeny guy just. I was just I was just thinking about that as soon as you said rogue. I'm like, what if you put it on a half lane? How much would that drag behind? Well, that I mean, I immediately as soon as he said two foot three, I was like, what if the sheet sort of uh, adapts adapts to the yeah. size of the character wearing yep. it? Yep. I like that too. I mean, it is a magical item. I mean, mm-hmm. nothing to say that it could couldn't do that as well. Oh, I love it. I'll take any advantage on stealth that I can get because I cannot roll a stealth roll to save my life with any of my characters. None of them. Like it D D pulled too much from real life for that one. Cause I by <laughs> nature am not a very dexterous person. I trip over air. That's impressive. Thank you. I've been working on it for years. You're welcome. The rogue I've been playing for a couple of years now, whose name mm-hmm. is Raz- Razmataz. He's a tiefling <laughs> rogue, and it's, his friends call him Razzy. Of course. Uh, at this point, he's level 10 or level 11. Like, eight of them are in rogue. And so his uh, his stealth modifier is, like, I think a plus 9 or 10. I think it's all in double digits at this point. So even on a, I mean, a, I mean, a nat 1, I mean, it depends on the rule if you're using the the current rules or if you're using the the new playtest rules as far as yeah. you know what uh what a one and a 20 mean or yeah. you know the the, the roll 20 test but mm-hmm. even on a plus one or plus two i mean he's still rolling a, a 11 or 12 so i'm not really hurting mm-hmm. for that but man on those like on those nat you know 20s i'm you know it's like a 32 it's like people god like, themselves <laughs> can't even find you i one time I equated it to that uh, scene in the office where Angela sneaks up on Dwight and freaks him out. And I'm like, it's just like that. Like, I'm sneaking up on my own party and scaring them. I have a <laughs> Kinku Ranger named Whistler. And due to a couple of things that he can do on his sheet, he has the potential to roll a stealth check of like 43. Jeez. He is insane and beautiful, and we haven't gotten to use him yet, but he's he's got a place. I have to find the right place for him so he can have what he deserves, you know, what he's built to do. 
Speaking of Kenkus, I think we need to talk about Kenkus at some point. Oh, absolutely. I'll uh, jot that down on my scribbly note desk. On your on your serial killer note. On my serial killer notes. <laughs> uh, well, Mello, go ahead and uh, you, you talk to us about your Kenku uh, rogue. Uh, talk to us about your homebrew item that you've got. So I'm trying to be a little bit more concise with things this time. Um Background house cleaning. I have a satyr warlock named Nalus. Um, his patron is actually a version of himself from another plane, um, which I love. I think that's awesome. He is the most unsettling character I have ever dealt with in game or considered dealing with. By the way, it is so unsettling. I've listened. I've listened to some of the things you've come up with. It's 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 all fair game. Yeah, he's, I, he's good for you. Yeah. I it is difficult for me to like really get into character and role play because like that doesn't come natural to me. Like I'm usually a very quiet and conserved person. So playing him is very outside of my like safety zone. Oh, and you uh, but I try that. to have fun with him when mm-hmm. I can. Um but his patron's realm, um, since he's an archfey, he has his own court. And the first line of defense in that court is an area that I've called the Night Garden, um, which is a roaming field of purple flowers um, with like a misty haze over it. And if anybody tries to come in to his court against their will, um well against his will rather um the farther they go into it they have to start making constitution saves and if they fail they start taking levels of exhaustion and getting into the mindset of what would make this a little bit more horrifying since the last time that i spoke about it when you get to a fifth level of exhaustion and your movement speed goes to zero the flowers start trying to find ways of getting themselves into you and they will start puppeting your still conscious body around and turn you basically into a living sentry. So if an adventuring party decides to try to raid this realm, if they make it so far in before they hit the tree line, they're going to start dealing with creatures that have failed this mission and are now being used as warriors garden puppets <laughs> do they rot like at a normal pace like would they be like i don't know if that warrior been there for a long time would they just be falling apart and help the flowers actually keep them alive they're still conscious they just have no will of their own anymore. Oh, you're just trapped. In- oh, okay. Well, that's even oh, more I horrifying. Did. I love that it is. so much. So they have to watch the flowers control them, fight something else. Yes. That and is really messed up. I really like it. You one are of so the brutal. plot hooks that I added into it was that if these flowers are planted into an area on the normal material plane outside of the Feywild... If they are allowed to grow to a certain like size of a field, um, that entire area will actually be pulled into and become part of this fey realm of his. Oh, so he is... can gain real estate that way too, expand mm-hmm. his realm. 
the only thing they're not making more of is land. Uh, does this is this a gradual process? Yes, if it's caught early enough, it can be stopped. Hmm. But kill it with fire. It, it'll take over within a matter of days, and entire towns could potentially be sucked into this Fey realm. And this Fey realm, let me make sure I got that right. Is your character's patron's Fey realm? Yes. Yeah, his court. Are you sure you're not the bad guy? He, oh, no. <laughs> it's, so... it's funny that you say that because. Recently, <laughs> when discussing this, this man actually told me, "No, we're on my villain arc now." Like, are you sure the call is not yes. coming from inside the house? It totally so, is. Nalus is the satyr that I play as, but mm-hmm. there's actually nine of them. Yes, because one of them is through gonna... another little plot hook that'll come in later on, his patron can actually plane shift into other times and he's basically saved himself a number of times and they're all kind of working towards a goal Mm -hmm. so i'm the ninth variant of this person basically Mm -hmm. that i'm playing there is one of them that's going to be involved in the other campaign in the curse of strahd campaign that i run as well when we get there, he's going to be basically a knight of hell, essentially. The bad guy. Got it. Right. Wow. That's I, a great story arc. I like it. Yeah, this love is it so it's fantastic. I love the idea of like, um, and I'm kind of fixated on it, the, like planting the flowers around like, a, like a, maybe a town and having it sucked into that fey realm. Mm-hmm. And it, it takes a couple of days, but I love the idea of like that being done and then like the subtle changes that start to occur like as mm-hmm. it's starting to get sucked in Ooh. and like the dm could have a lot of you know i mean you, and you know I'm thinking and they're of, just like, regular purple flowers right they appear so yeah I mean, <laughs> so I mean, people wouldn't even notice this purple flowers started growing no, around they the would town. just be right. these so, really but... pretty flowers i would say like a perception check might it might you know give a clue that like, like wait identify minute, like, I've, I've never well not even identify but i've never mm-hmm. seen those kinds of flowers like around mm-hmm. here like well i'm sure them. like a villager would start to know something's up they start going outside it's like oh there's all these flowers around oh why am i feeling tired all of a sudden right right and it just gradually becomes more and more horrifying until they go to open up their door and they're not where they think they should be anymore and not so, in kansas anymore in like in thinking of like in a like official sort of like D release like uh, that there would be some sort of table like after you know Ooh, you know yeah. on, a, on a on a d4 like after you know rolled after 1d4 hours this ha- starts to happen after another you know 1d4 hours you know this progression takes place and so on and so forth but again like you know i mean this whole episode is about homebrew i mean yes. that you could make it whatever you want like right. at at a certain point you know uh you know, the villagers kind of start turning, like just started having like animosity toward each other. Just start being like angry toward each other for no reason. Oh man, this is fantastic. I love it. Yeah. And I figured <laughs> since there are nine of them, the patron kind of sent each of them out like, oh, hey, wonder the world's experience things. If you find an area that you really enjoy, plant some flowers. 
make it, it home part of you. our like home. Mm-hmm. Oh, it, it's it. a perfect plot. It is. <laughs> it is I, really. I tell good. him this all the time. That's why he's one of my favorites, guys. This is part of it. <laughs> yeah, you could easily make this just an entire sort of like adventure like a one-shot or yeah. like, you know, oh, three definitely at some point if i'm allowed to like run with this idea i want to design Always. almost like a raid into this place i'm in i like that's that a lot. gonna kill some players <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, and, and i am definitely of the opinion the campaigns like you kind of want to at a, you know early on you sort of want to like you know have the kit gloves on you don't want to i mean it's you know, yeah. if you're expecting to play a character for a while and then they get killed off too soon, especially for like new players that might dissuade them yeah. from continuing on. But these one shots, like these, like, hey, we're only going to, this is a one or two sessions. Like, yeah. All bets are all off. All bets are off. <laughs> like, your character <laughs> might die. Just come into this knowing you're probably going to die. Maybe bring two or three characters just in case. Just in case. I will yeah. be throwing you to the wolves. Mm-hmm. Depending on how the party treats him, Nalus may not end up being a future big bad evil guy. But oh, right true. now, none of y'all act like you trust him, even though he's been nothing but nice. <laughs> she can't trust you because of what you are. We didn't set characters up <laughs> together for this campaign, and mine has issues with fey creatures, and we got thrown into a party together. So she does not trust him. <laughs> she wants no part of it. This keeps people on their toes. That's all. That's all we're here to do is just keep folks on their toes. It's true. It's true. Well, that being said, we're going to jump to the middle of the show really quick. Thank our patrons. Talk about some of the latest and greatest in D&D news. And of course, some good stuff. Visit the DMs Guild. And then we'll be back with um, some more homebrew items. Welcome to the middle of the show. Mary, what? What do we do in the middle of the show? This is where we take a minute and focus on our breathing and redirect our chakras, right? No, we, how, what, who? No. Is chakra, is that a, is that a, a, a creature that we need to fight? Is, it could be. It will be now. Now, now I may, I was trying to make a dumb joke, but now we're, now we've got the, now you've unleashed that in keeping with the theme of homebrew for this episode. Now we've got the homebrew (laughs) gears turning. Uh, No, what do we actually do in the middle of the show? Thank our patrons. And we talk about some cool stuff going on in D and D and check out the DMs guild. We absolutely do. And of course this week, as per usual, the week of the multiverse famous patron roundtable mm-hmm, we want mm-hmm. to thank the patrons that make it possible the ones that we in, that have a standing invitation to the show we want to thank bjorn ironside coffee bean Darkwing, and of course text 10 star thank uh, you thank you so much uh, additionally also thank you to the other patrons that we didn't specifically shout out we still love right. you even though we didn't shout you out this week we, we get we get to you um if you want to join the likes of them or the likes of our scholar patrons or our apprentice patrons or even our even become a deity patron mary Mm -hmm. how can they do that oh you just have to go over to patreon.com slash d n d lorecast got all different kinds of tiers over there see what you know what fits what fits your lifestyle best 
Exactly. And each tier has something cool attached to it, yes. uh, whether it be like free stickers or um, bonus content. You get at least one bonus episode a month, at least two patron plus installments each month. And, you know, whatever, whatever other fun goodies we can get into. Uh, you can also get, like I said, um, an invitation to the multiverse famous patron mm-hmm. roundtable mm-hmm. every mm-hmm. month to discuss D and D with a bunch of other D and D obsessed nerds. Uh, merchandise, you know, a bunch of cool stuff. So, like uh, Mary said, if you are interested in doing so, and in, in, you can go to the Patreon website and and figure out, like like she said, what what best fits your lifestyle. And of course, if uh, you want to support the show but you're unable mm-hmm. to sign up for the Patreon, you can leave us five star reviews on Spotify or mm-hmm. Apple Podcasts. You can uh, follow us on social media at D and D Lorecast on Twitter um, and uh, email us. Uh, communicate with us through email at dndlorecast yep. at gmail.com or on the Robots Radio Network Discord. We've got our own text channel there that's always on and popping. We've, we're always talking about something in there. And of course, good old-fashioned word of mouth. Tell a friend. Tell five friends and then tell them to tell five friends. Mm-hmm. And I think that's how a pyramid scheme works. It um, is. It's a pyramid scheme of awesomeness where everybody actually benefits. There you go. We're we're flipping it on its head. We're we're taking back the pyramid scheme. No longer pyramid scheme. It's a period. It's a it's a pyramid. Uh, um, uh, not what's the scheme? opposite of a scheme. I don't. <laughs> we need to we need to figure that out. We'll figure that out off air. What the opposite of scheme is? It's we're still working out the bugs on the uh, on the pitch there for that. Exactly. Um. So yeah. So what else is going on in the world of D and D? Well, we are just a few short weeks away from the release of Dragonlance: Shadow of the Dragon Queen, which finally brings Kryn, the Dragonlance setting, to Fifth Edition. People are very excited about that. Like I feel like, especially in the days of advanced Dungeons and Dragons, mm-hmm. because Dragonlance, you know, was so prolific. I feel that. Um, a lot of people came up in that time, but didn't like really play D and D. I think they associate Dragonlance. If they were, if they were to see a Dragonlance image, they would probably they'd be like, "Oh, that's that's D and D, right?" They would probably wouldn't know right. it's Dragonlance, but they would know it's D and D. And so it's very exciting that we're finally getting it here, and D and D Beyond is cranking out content. Um, they've got a uh, what is a Dragonlance Kryn, a world at war. Um, sort of primer, sort of like giving you sort of a quick, like, you know, once over on. It's the uh, Cliff Notes version. There you go. So you don't have a whole lot of time. It's just going to briefly touch on the history of Kryn. Like, mm-hmm. what is Dragonlance? Like, what, how, what, what is the planet of Kryn? What is the cataclysm? What is the War of the Lance? And of course, there is a YouTube video attached to it that you can also watch. Um, additionally, they've also got uh, an article and a video about the lunar sorcerer subclass mm. that's coming to uh, coming to us thanks to Dragonlance, Ooh. and they just released uh, another article with another video. Uh, Dragonlance backgrounds and feats answer the call as knights and mages. So so excited! Yeah, you could have the uh, background and feats of uh, the knight of Salamia or uh, the mage of high sorcery. Oh, delicious. <laughs> right uh so yeah so it's i'm i'm so excited for i'm so excited for dragonlance it's gonna be fun yes. i'm so excited in fact that um 
the aforementioned War of the Lance. We're going mm-hmm. to talk about that next month. We're going to discuss, we're going to spend a couple of weeks sort of getting everyone ready for Dragon Lance before uh, it's released and before we're able to dig into the content itself. Yes, I'm so excited for I mean, all of it. There's there's Every a lot day. there's a lot to it. Uh, and we're trying to figure out like, you know, what to cover. But seeing as how Shadow of the Dragon Queen is set during the War of the Lands, it just made sense to well, hey, let's let's speak, let's let's cover that. Let's let's talk about that for a little bit. Hey, this is about to be really important. Right, exactly. So uh and then of course the DMs Guild, the Dungeon Masters Guild, what do we have there? Well, I wanted to find something that um was sort of like like you know we find things that are sort of in keeping with the theme the subject the topic of the show mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and so i found book of shadows from, from eventure games it's got player options monsters magical items it's like a whole book of you know spooky homebrew yes please and thank you it contains player options rot in darkness shadowy Ooh. creatures and magical items of light and dark so uh, one new racial option, four new archetypes, six new creatures, six new Jeez. magic items, and through Halloween, it is only it's on sale for two thirty nine. But originally, it's it's so it's marked down twenty percent. But not bad. you know, yeah, normal price it's only two ninety nine, so it's only three bucks. So if you're not able to pick it up between now and the uh, you know the next few days before uh, November starts, you can still pick it up for super cheap. And yeah, it's it's very cool. It's a lot of homebrew stuff. Uh, it is a uh, platinum seller, so it's definitely Ooh. got yeah, it's it's got its fans for sure, and it 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 looks great. Sorry, I had to take all my nose. No, you're fine. But with that being said, let's you know we've we've thanked our patrons. We've talked yep. about the latest and greatest in D and D news. Yep, check. And we have visited the DMs Guild to see what kind of homebrew shenanigans we can, can uh, we can get into. Do love homebrew shenanigans. So I I think it's time to get back to the patron chat, right? Oh gosh, yeah, I am I am ready. Let's let's go. Let's see what let's see what uh, what text Ten Star has for us. Sounds like a plan. Hello, welcome back, and we're just going to jump right back into the homebrew yes. fun. Mary, what do you got for us? I have a creature that is called the Soul Glass Amalgamate, and I'm going to give a little bit of background since, again, homebrew. Um, so currently, I have a party that is traveling across different planes because there's some crazy stuff going on. Time and space are getting broken, you know. Um, they found themselves in Eberron, which is where I made these guys. So before the last war, a group of leaders decided they didn't want their powers to be limited anymore. They made a plan and stole a scroll of knowledge from the god Ogma. This contained part of the knowledge on the creation of life, but did not have the information on how to create souls. So these lords took it upon themselves to create a thing called the machine, um, it doesn't have a formal name currently. I'm totally open to suggestions. Um, but this device, what it does is it takes the soul of a living being and splits it, allowing you to create multiple beings out of just the one. So you're just being efficient, of course. 
in the world I'm currently using, um, this is the origin story for the Warforged. They, the Lords wanted endless armies and created them as perfect soldiers. They don't have to sleep. They don't have to eat, you know, so seemed like the good idea at the time, you know. Um, it was also used to create guardians for their loved ones or their homes or keeps and things like that, um, putting souls of the living into constructs. So these idiots, <laughs> these mortals were arrogant, <laughs> thinking they could harness and control the powers of the gods, which literally never ends well. Like, don't try. It's a bad idea. Bad time. The creatures that um, they broke had their souls shattered and into pieces. So we've created kind of a physical manifestation of that called soul glass. So each one is a little bit different depending on how the character is. So different colors, you'll see like colors and things swirling throughout it. So you kind of, everybody's is a little bit different. So nobody's identical. These broken souls eventually became um, so tormented by being broken, uh, they became mad. You can't reprogram a soul and expect it to keep. Driven to madness, the Lords tried again to regain control by combining souls into these massive beings, which are what we're going to talk about, only to realize that um, they were less stable, less predictable, and therefore not able to be controlled the same. The beings were allowed to retain part of their soul, who, you know, who they were, became former shells of themselves. So if it didn't kill them, when it split them, they became these shuffling lost creatures called the wandering lost. All of those were gathered, locked away below the city in this aqueduct in an attempt to hide this failure. Um, these souls are trapped on this plane and are cursed to wander forever unless they're killed by an outside force. Which is where my big guy comes in. I love these things. Um, my players, not as much. Imagine that. I know. I'm super happy with them. So you would intro them with the description. You find yourself traveling through an abandoned aqueduct below the wastes of the once great country of Corvair. You've been sent to find a missing scouting party that had taken this route. As you make your way through the dark and twisting tunnels, working your way toward Dorastrix Harak, which is the dragon's nest, it's the name of the city they're headed to, a city built in the shadow of a great mountain. You hear something echoing down a dark corridor. The sounds are faint at first. Echoes of moans and wails coming from several different voices. Sounds like four, maybe five or six people. You can't really be sure. But they're weeping and wailing, and it just sounds strange and a little frightening. What you do know, though, is it's definitely moving towards you. As the cacophony of agony approaches, you hear long, slow scrapes, followed by the loud thud of footsteps, the unnatural dragging of these large, massive feet along tunnel floors, a deliberate and steady approach of something that is very clearly damned. The sound of glass shattering with each of their steps as it rounds the corner ahead of you. The full horror of what you've been hearing comes into view. Its massive body, a series of uneven spikes, crags jutting up in strange angles and shapes, the way crystals of quartz um, would be clustered together. 
But from inside, you see swirls of glowing light, some blue, some green, others mixing and changing before your eyes. It's massive legs like the trunks of trees meet a solid torso that branches out into arms that are long and powerful, fists nearly reaching the ground. And its face, well, no, 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 its faces shift from within the smooth glass of its hunched shoulders where a jagged crown of spikes sits atop it where the head should be. So this is the thing they find themselves facing or you guys find yourselves facing. Feel free to torture people with it. <laughs> easy, easy. No problem. That's two rounds dead. No problem. Right. Sure. Sure. <laughs> Keep thinking. Uh, about it. So is it susceptible to bludgeoning because it's glass? So yeah, bludgeoning and piercing would do the most damage but i didn't give it any resistances or anything like that you're welcome to throw whatever you want on there and add to it that is perfectly fine that's the point of homebrew my babies the ones that i used um have an ac of 15 125 ish hit points depending on how many souls are contained within it so you can adjust up or down based on party level um my guys did great against these i absolutely thought it was going to be a harder fight for them than it was so the next time I won't hold any punches or be careful. You're um, just mad because I bullied it. You bullied him. <laughs> you bullied him so bad. And it so worked. My little two foot tall owlbear reborn Construct. <laughs> well, I mean, to me, it just sounds like you needed to you know, ramp up the AC. That's what I'm saying. I'm going to have to ramp it up next time. So strength of 18, dex and con, both 17, 11 intelligence, eight wisdom and five charisma because, oh gosh, um, <laughs> it can speak and understand the languages of whoever it happens to contain. So you could pick and choose depending on where it is, what races are available there, what languages they generally speak, kind of adjust that to fit into whichever setting that you need it to. Our dude does standing leap, which is a long jump of up to 20 feet and a high jump of up to 15. And that is with or without a running start. They're sturdy. They can take a fall from up to 50 feet without taking on any damage. Um, when reduced to zero HP, it has the shatter effect. So it explodes glass shards causing four D6 piercing damage on a failed save of 13. It's a deck save of the DC 13. Half the damage if you succeed. Um, however, if the wandering lost whose souls are contained within it are still alive, it will reform and the fight just keeps going. And that's, it'll be active again after one round. So he does. It, oh yeah. Oh yeah. I, I made them to cause problems. Um, so it does bludgeoning damage with smash type attack, which it can do a melee. So it does two of those. Um, he has true sight, so darkness is not an issue. Um, has does the multi attack, like I said, the slam attack, which is plus seven to hit, has a reach of 10 feet, um, and it does 4d8 plus four bludgeoning damage on that. And it also has broken glass where it raises its massive arms up above its head and slams both fists into the ground in front of it, it causes uh, spikes of glass to erupt violently from the ground. Um, in a 10-foot wide, 30-foot long uh, line. Not a wine. Goodness. <laughs> DC of 15. Dex save on that. So if it hits, 
it's 3d10 damage and then on a failed and then half that on a successful save and then that area becomes difficult terrain so i want people to use my beautiful little baby it's so precious <laughs> yeah you mu you must have held back that that's devastating that that yeah, no. You could have killed Corey when you hit him with that. <laughs> oh, I could have killed okay. Corey, but he got really lucky. And so, I mean, that's that's definitely a you know the the possibility when it comes to dice rolls is, you know, you just roll extremely lucky mm -hmm. uh, or extremely unlucky, in in, in some cases. Uh, oh gosh, yeah. Like a roll, but you should never be afraid of failure. It's true. Like for me, like whenever I'm home brewing, like either uh, you know, especially monsters and determining their mm -hmm. AC, I usually go by based on what um, the the party like their modifiers on attacks. If it's like a plus three or so, I take that into account, and right. then whatever their modifier is, I add that to anywhere from ten to thirteen, because mm. at that point, that's like a fifty fifty chance of hitting them. Yeah, which is what you kind of like want. With like zero modifiers, like a 10 to 13 or 10 to 13, it's it's more or less a 50-50 chance of rolling a D20 of, right. of, of, of hitting that number, right? And then you add the modifier. So then all of a sudden, okay, they're they're rolling at a like plus two with attacks. So let's make that AC like a like a 15 because- Makes sense. And so that's, that's like a very like not, you know, hard, you know, not hard and you know concrete, but if you're trying to homebrew on the fly, that's kind of like where my like right. Where my, like I said, I'm a very logical person, so and I like to give uh, the players a fifty fifty chance at hitting. You know, everything. I like it. To, I like yeah. I like the idea of it being challenging but not overwhelming. What had happened was this dude decided this tiny little rogue <laughs> decided to unleash ball bearings, and they were in the bottom of a concave bowl shaped pit. So he absolutely <laughs> knocked my big guy down, slipping on the ball bearings, and then doused him in oil because he was going to light him on fire. Well, would that work? It knocked him down. He, I mean, well, they were kicking his ass. I couldn't land a hit because I'm cursed for being a DM. Oh, well. I mean, well, yeah, that just sounds like a definite, like normal. some very specific problem. <laughs> Generally, <laughs> most things don't enjoy being on fire. So, uh, looking great. at the options ahead of the time, I was like, you know what, kill it with fire. Right? <laughs> no, exactly. I was like, well, that thing isn't already on fire, which makes me think he would not enjoy being on fire. Right. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty straightforward logic, I suppose. Yes. Yeah. yeah it's it was fire, beautiful. Probably won't enjoy it. Mm-hmm. If it started on fire. Probably okay with being yeah. on fire. Probably wouldn't. My mind. rogue had run out of projectiles at the time because I'm one of those players that actually manages my inventory. He does. So it's I started guys. looking into my bag, just looking for anything that I could use. I love it because before the turn, there's like a deep sigh, and he goes, "Okay, DM. <laughs> oh no, what? What's gonna happen here? I'm leaned back. Let's hear it. Let me have it. Let's make a decision. I love it." It was amazing. I have ball bearings. Mm -hmm. How big is this creature? Yeah, ball bearings will be fine. Ball bearings. Oh, yeah. 15 foot tall monsters slipping and sliding on these ball bearings and coming crashing down. And what's great about that, especially, is ball bearings are one of those items that, like, you most rogues usually have. 
Mm-hmm. But you know, when when do you ever use them? And then yeah, so kudos on the outside the box thinking, Mellow. Oh, for sure. Thank you. <laughs> so I guess one of my other questions here. I was writing down a few notes while you were talking about this. Uh, sure. So it, it's run by souls. So do you have a mechanism in place for, say, a cleric can like release those souls while you guys are fighting it, like to bring down AC or just stop it altogether? Or I just... have not. But I would be interested to see what can get workshopped, including that. Like I'm, I'm here for it. I would definitely hear it out. I, I kind of rule by argue it to me, and if it makes sense, we'll roll with it. Yeah, we need to bookshop a little bit more of how the uh, soul glass works. Yes, because that yep. is a situation that my little reborn character. That's how he ended up in the situation with. he's in. He's only got part of his soul, so he's only got part of his memories. I keep trying to torture him with his history, but Adam keeps rolling low. So, oh damn it! Look at that. Uh, that was uh, going into my next question. I was going to ask about how if a character could have its soul split, be part of that monster, and still be a character playing. Yes. So apparently, yes, um, yes. The yes. answer is yes. Yeah. Like yeah, her that. name is Lavinia, and she stopped one of the fights where they were surrounded by like five or six other souls because she had more of hers. I rolled to see a percentage how much she got to keep of herself because. I don't want to choose. I'm going to let the dice choose everything for me. Makes life so much easier. But she was able to, yeah, because she contained most of it, she was able to speak to and communicate with the other souls engaged in it and convince them to calm down. Interesting. So it is is feasible that you could release them or return them to their bodies or to the next plane, for sure. Yeah, I think he rolled my little rogue because I only got like 43%. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, he doesn't have much of his life. Sorry. Sorry, Corey. <laughs> At least I can still communicate and move. This I have is the true. basics. You do have <laughs> the basics. <laughs> well, we've also got another uh, patron who sent in, who couldn't was any, unable to join us, Text 10 Star, who sent in their homebrew item. And it was something Ooh. they were really excited about. And it's an item known as Idle Hands, which is inspired by the classic late 90s, early 2000s yeah. uh, horror comedy Leatherface, uh, starring Devin Sawa. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're a pair of enchanted gloves mm-hmm. and they add a, uh, it, again, again, you can scale this per your character level. Like if you, if you introduce this item early on, might be just a plus one. If you introduce the item, you know, as they're like maybe tier two or tier three characters, perhaps a plus two or plus three, but it adds a, a bonus modifier to attacks when you're when the player is wearing them. However, okay. every time you attack a target for the first time, so you come up upon a, a group of gnolls and you say, okay, I'm going to attack the knoll on the far left. Every time mm-hmm. you attack someone for the first time, you have to make a percentile roll. You roll a D100. And you have a 5% chance of failing. And when you fail, you... Okay, so you you succeed and attack goes as planned. Fine. But you fail. You instead attack the nearest friendly character. Oh. So you roll a D100, 5% chance of attacking the nearest friendly character. And then you continue to attack that character until you succeed on a charisma saving throw 
Uh, and again, the DC can be determined on uh, character level, uh, right? Which the which the player that is you know now attacking uh, would get at the beginning of each subsequent turn. So that that part usually it's at the end, but we're going to you know be a little nice and let you make that attempt at the beginning before you can get off another attack. Well, then, that's that's nice. Yeah, it, it's nice. It's nice. That's nice. Uh, and in, in addition to the five percent failure. Uh, you know, risk that you run when attacking a character for the first time. You also have a 1% chance of actually attacking yourself. Oh, no. And again, like, you know, whatever uh, may happen, <clears throat> happen when you do that. The charisma save uh, attempt works the same way. And so each time you do lose control, each time idle hands take control of your body, the percentile range increases. 5% each time to attack someone else and then 1% to attack yourself. Oh, so no. at a certain point, I mean, you could be racking up a 15, 20, 20, like a, you know, a quarter percent chance of attacking a friendly character. And that's not just a party member, but perhaps like an NPC guide oh, or, no. or perhaps like an NPC that you've actually just saved and you're taking them back, you know, you know, you, know, you, you saved the princess to... from the oh, castle. Oh my gosh. And you're taking the princess and then accidentally punched her in the throat. <laughs> yeah. Killed her instantly. It was a hell of a day. And then, of course, you know, with any cursed item, a, a removed curse would um, be able to uh, allow you to remove the gloves. Otherwise, you right. are absolutely compelled to keep them on. You're unable to remove them yourself. Mm -hmm. And if someone else tries to remove them from you, you immediately attack them. So oh, hear gosh. me out. <laughs> oh, Mellow. No. There it is. I love it. I love it. I love like, okay, this is my idea. And someone's like, all right, but what about this? What do you got? Keeping on theme with their inspiration. If someone tries to forcibly remove them from you and actually succeeds, even though you're attacking them, what if it takes your hands and your hands stay in the gloves and now you've got a whole new situation because the gloves can still move oh See, i was thinking the exact same thing except i wasn't leaving the hands in the gloves if the gloves were managed to be removed are they sentient enough to try to attach themselves to the nearest hand now, see, because with the hands still in the gloves if you can dispel them you can potentially get your hands back <laughs> Oh, i like that i like that horrible. a lot i love it's it. very gruesome I would say the only way to get them off is by like getting the whoever is wearing them to zero HP, you know, getting them. Yeah, to knock them unconscious. unconscious. Yeah. Uh, but maybe you do have to actually cut off his hands. Like, like maybe like that's, that's, that's the rub is like you think like, okay, we'll knock him out. Like so he'll stop fighting us. So we'll knock him out and then we'll take them off. Because that, that's the thing is like, you know, like it's yeah the, for the, sure whoever's oh. trying to take them off doesn't realize like that they're actually stuck he just tries to remove them and then the whoever's wearing them attacks them it's like okay well he's going to attack me if i take them off let's knock him out knock him unconscious then we'll take him off and then you realize that oh they're actually stuck and we can't take him off unless we cut off his hands oh gosh yeah absolutely and that's a once, real predicament and then once they're cut off you know, do that at that point? Do they become sentient and try to attach themselves to 
you know, put themselves on hands that act, are actually attached to a body. Try <laughs> to consume like an evil dead hands. situation. Yeah, absolutely. That's, yeah. I was picturing the hand from the um, Legend of Zelda temples. Oh, yeah. That's what my brain went to. My brain went immediately to, yeah, to Evil Dead. I was, yeah, I was on (laughs) Evil Dead for sure. That's fantastic. So, so yeah, Idle Hands. It's a good one. It's a a baddie. That one is great. And then Tex actually had another idea, which... It came. It came to me. Uh, he said, "Like it's sort of just a. It's an idea. It's a. It's a sort of a blob of, of an idea." And so, I was right. like, Give me what you have, and we'll we'll talk about it on the show. So, it's an idea for it's either a trap or a monster. Now, the trap works simple enough. It's it appears as if it's like an Iron Maiden torture device, but if you get too close to it, if you trigger it somehow. Uh, chains shoot out they hook into you like you know hellraiser pinhead style and they pull you in and then the torture device slams shut and so uh, the spikes obviously give you piercing damage you know uh, you know whatever it may be 1d4 2d4 piercing damage uh, while you're in there and you know a um, a uh, you know deactivate trap must Mm -hmm. be uh, done by another party member to get you out now this is where the the monster aspect of it comes in. Like rather than just oh. being a simple trap, which is a, hugely effective in and of itself. Instead, whenever you know it works the same way, you get you trigger it. It gets you get too close. Hooks sh- uh, chain shoot out, hooks you in, pulls you in, closes shut, mm-hmm. gives you piercing mm-hmm. damage, and then your blood subsequently activates the monster, and it becomes something like a suit of gruesome armor mm. and when i describe this you know with the, the sort of iron maiden with the chains shooting out mellow mm-hmm. you mentioned something that in that it reminded you of yeah it reminded me of the uh virgin abductors from elden ring and if you look these up i mean it looks exactly like what you know what we're describing was, it looks yeah. like, like a suit of armor with like chains for arms that they use to swing out and attack people and of course, it being Elden Ring, it just it looks like it would fit right into a horror D and D campaign. Oh gosh, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, it's it's horrible. Beautifully <laughs> just, horrible. Are, you play that game or any of those games in that series just to make yourself feel like you don't know how to play video games. Yeah, it's like, oh, I, look, I died again. For I've been playing this game thirty minutes and I've died thirty times. <laughs> Yep. Yeah, yeah, that's mm-hmm, exactly mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm. And so, why do I do this to myself? And so, what you know, what what's best for this? So you you're trapped in the suit of armor. Your blood activates the monster, and at this point, does it have its own stat block? Does it take on some of the characteristics of the of whoever is inside Ooh. of it? I would split it. Well, it has to have its own stat block. When it's sentient and large enough and can do damage like that, it has to have some sort of something to go off. I think you could Uh, make it a a randomized thing. You could totally do a table where it pulled whatever from the character inside it. You could roll for whatever it took. Right. So then you could definitely have a table made up for that. like Like a 1d6, roll that twice and, you know go in like alphabetical order by yeah by um uh, uh 
like abilities and scores and stuff like right. that make it steal some of it. But I think that the person in it would obviously still be conscious of what was happening, but unable to respond or do anything. Right. Maybe and speak only, but not cast. Would you cast from in there? Well, that, uh, would, would you be able to move though? I mean, uh, I don't think maybe, you'd be able to move, but you, I would were, say definitely would grappled. Yeah. yeah. A bard could yeah. possibly sing stuff to, Activate spells. Yeah. Could also roll to see if they were capable of breaking through some kind of like a magical, like it, it's infused with some sort of magical barrier type thing to where not all spells Ooh. or turn it into a wild magic table. Kind oh, of. Oh, I like that way more. There. Wild magic table sounds way more fun. <laughs> that I wild know. magic, you get some strange things. I, I love it. We've seen some stuff on a random table recently that's made me question my D and D playing experiences. <laughs> yeah. Like, do I enjoy, do I enjoy <laughs> this or do I just hate myself? It's both. <laughs> a little it's column both. A, a little column B for sure. Mm-hmm. So, one of the things that. I feel like amuses Mary sometime with me is whenever I start thinking about ideas like this, or we discuss mm-hmm. like, Oh, wouldn't this be neat? One of the things I do is that my brain immediately starts trying to develop encounters around it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Right. Yep. And personally, I'm a big fan of like layer actions or environmental hazards that players have yes. to deal with all the better. If it's one that players can respond to and interact with, Yep. So I really liked the idea of this thing being a hazard in a dungeon. Say you're almost like in a maze and this thing is slowly dragging itself closer to the players as it's just hooking itself into the wall. And if a player gets grabbed and brought inside of it, its movement speed drops to zero while it tries to feed on the player, giving the party more time to crack open doors, make progress towards whatever the end goal is. But do you sacrifice a player and their health later on to do this, knowing that the longer you take and the more it's feeding on them, the stronger it is also getting? Very good point. I mean, yeah, like and... the more, if the blood activates it to begin with, then more blood, more blood, logically could make it mm-hmm. stronger. Yep. Or do you go back, try to get that guy out, and risk another player getting brought in, almost like you're having to tag out, and you try oh. to let that person recover a bit? So that's what I was just thinking. Can it hold more than one person at a time? I would think it would depend on the size. I would rule that if you had an example, it could pull in, you know, it could pull in your dragonborn or it could pull in two gnomes or two halflings, like depending on the creature's size. Yeah. And depending on the kind of vitality. Uh Depending on the player who gets attacked, depending on what their constitution is, it Mm -hmm. could get stronger, faster. Mm -hmm. That's true. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, this person is a lot more healthy than that one that I had before. I'm going to get a lot more powerful trying to feed on this one. And I like the idea of however the party decides to to deal with this situation. At Mm -hmm. the end, it turns into a boss fight and they have to deal with whatever creature they've created from the end of this. Could keep the stats from the things that were in it before too or keep a part of it, like absorb and learn and adapt. 
Yeah. Yeah. Punish we people. just keep making it worse. So start and making worse, a dreamlike their abilities. Oh, like no, well, you left the spellcaster in here for three turns. He's lost spell slots now. This thing has stolen your spells. This thing has stolen part of your constitution until a long rest, or your saves are only. Yeah. Uh, I, I was going <laughs> to touch on what Mary was saying about spells from the inside earlier. It would make sense that a. A mythical creature, I guess, magical creature like this, uh, would have some sort of spell resistance component mm-hmm. from the inside to keep anything that it doesn't want out from getting out because you have right. to pick your way in anyway. So maybe it would just be impossible for whoever's inside to do anything. Completely helpless, yeah. Yeah. I like it. I love that we make it worse every time we open our mouths, too. <laughs> well, I was going to say that. Again, like I'm all about, I mean, there's like so many cool things in d and D. I mean, mm-hmm. dragons, especially. And then, you know, but obviously, like, you know, dragons, they're more like of a you know high level sort of like epic encounter. But other creatures that might be high level, like I would love to throw them at low level characters because they're just so cool and they're so interesting. Yeah. But obviously, like they're just they it would be a TPK in in every respect. And so I love the idea of creating like homebrew, like scaled monsters where like, okay, well, yes. if you're throwing your character, if you're throwing this at your characters at between levels one and five, like it can do this. But then if it's, you know, levels six to 10, like it, it adds mm-hmm. this or like, you know, these attacks get much stronger. So I love that aspect. I love being able yes. to like use these cool ideas at any point in a game. Oh, I agree completely. I like the variety. I like that being able to plug it in wherever it fits to the settings. She can always the, ran- the randomized table for it just would streamline it. Streamline it. Words are hard. Um, mm-hmm. To the point where you could just use it anywhere. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, just pull it right out of the folder and be like, well, you guys are fighting this now. Yep. Congratulations. Congratulations. I'm sorry. I have so many horrible things that I'm eventually going to have Mary play against whenever I, I take the turn to DM. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm here for well, it. I, I really want to incorporate this Iron Maiden idea into that Black Pyramid for that baddie I'm working on. I think it'll work out quite well. Oh, yeah. Like that. Yeah. The, the aesthetic. I mean, of that, the vibe fits See, was, for sure. I was thinking I was going to throw it into Barovia. Seems good place for it. Oh yeah, the catacombs would have something like this for mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. Well, that about wraps it up this week. Thank you so much to Mellow, and thank you to Darkwing, and especially thank you to Coffee and Tex for still yes. being a part of the episode. Uh, yes, I mean that's homebrew is you know there's there's something to be said about just being able to buy something and and just read it and then be able to run it, but homebrew is really where like. D&D captured my imagination at least like I can Same. create my whole oh, my own world and my mm-hmm. own mythology and my own NPCs like that's that's you know that's always going to scratch an yep. itch that I don't think you know that video games really can't uh that you know any sort of like right anything else any sort of like you know playable content can't scratch yeah that adaptability I... is what did it for me too with D&D it's like oh I can just make whatever I want we can find a way to make the thing work. Right, right. Absolutely. Well, 
Thank you so much for allowing the D&D Lorecast to be a part of your life for this uh, least small portion of it. Uh, we hope mm-hmm. to hear, we hope to have you back soon. Absolutely. Thank you. My name is Sergio. And I am Mary. Fare thee well, dear listener. And until we meet again, may all your 20s be natural. Thanks for listening to the Dungeons & Dragons Lorecast. If you've enjoyed the show, please consider sharing it with a friend, following us on Twitter at dndlorecast, or jumping on the Robots Radio Discord to chat more with us about Dungeons & Dragons. We'll talk to you next time. You've been listening to a Robots Radio podcast. Smart shows for interesting people. Check out all the shows at Robots Radio.